Okay, oh, good morning. Thank you to the uh, diehards for showing up. Sorry we've had to uh, be flexible the last couple of weeks. So we concluded a uh, piece in Revol, but we're doing a new piece in the same Sefer, Be'emunas Yechia. Revol is uh, a collection of his essays and the talks he gave on Emuna. Be'emunas Yechia. It means that a person lives with their Emuna. Through Emuna, you're alive. Just the title of the book you could spend an hour on. Yeah. Just those two words, Be'emunas Yechia. Through Emuna, you're alive. If you have Amuna, you're alive. If you have Amuna, you can confront the face of the day. If you have Amuna, you can make meaning, make sense out of life. If you have Amuna, you have resiliency. If you have Amuna, you have confidence. If you have Amuna, you have peace and serenity. If you have Amuna, you have everything. Yichya. And if you don't have Amuna, so you're lost. That was the last piece. You're, your equilibrium is off and your life is off and you find yourself filled with anger and envy and jealousy and rage and... And, and you lack patience, and so, the amuna is not for anyone else. The reason that we gather each week to work on our amuna is not a gift to Hashem. Whether we believe in Him or not, His life is unchanged. Life, His being, His essence, His, his is, is unchanged. He just is. He doesn't need our amuna. He doesn't need our amuna. The amuna is for us, yechia. We gain, we transform the quality of our lives through the amuna that we can live with. Okay, so we're starting a new piece. Roy, and we'll dedicate it uh, for uh, our friend Baruch Tzvi Ben Rivka Roy Levar Ketzar Amuna Mamidas Adam Barama Acheras. It's worth clarifying, says Ravolbe, how is it that Amuna, that living with faith, Mamidas Adam, it lifts a person, it sets a person, Barama Acheras, on a whole other level. Hachokrim Shalayom Asukim Bibayos Anovos, Meapachad, Umitofosav Hashlilios. He says today, and remember, Ravolbe is writing this decades ago giving this over decades ago, and already then, all the more so now. He says, today, today the world is consumed by issues of fear, anxiety, doubt. This was then, all the more so now. The amount of prescription drugs and medications, the amount of people in therapy, the amount of levels of anxiety, the amount of proliferation of mental illness. You're not anybody if you don't have some, uh, you know, you're the exception not the norm. The whole world is on its head with this. And there's a lot of reasons which have been offered. Research and science, science has showed, whether it's technology, social media, keeping up with others, living other people's lives. But Revolba already identifies that one of the challenges of his day, all the more so our day, is how do we confront issues of anxiety, of worry, of fear? And Revolba says, and again, I want to be very clear in saying, we're not talking about clinical depression. We're not talking about clinical anxiety that needs to be treated, sometimes with medication, with therapy. I'm not talking about that level. We're talking about just general anxiety, where you wouldn't be diagnosed with something. You wouldn't need to be on a medication. We're talking about a general sense of, in life, feeling uneasy. In life, feeling a sense of tension. Hey. So Revolba already then, all the more so now, is talking about the average person, the every person is walking through life and they're just on eggshells, they're on edge. The Navi Yeshaya says, and uh, we sing it in Havdalah, this is God, Yeshua, so he's my salvation. This is God, he gets me through. Evtach, Evtach bitachon means trust, security. In Israel, the word for... Security is bitachon. It means I place my trust. I am secure. I find security. Velo evchad. And I will not fear. So 
every, every Saturday night when we sing this in Havdalah now, we should think about this much deeper meaning. That, what does it mean? What do you mean, evtach v'lo avchad? Can I have both? Can I trust in Hashem? Can I invest in Hashem? And also be afraid. Also be neurotic. Also have doubt. Also have a shtickle anxiety. Also have a little bit of fear. Why can't I have both? I say, Baruch Hashem, Amir Hashem, Chaste Hashem. Ooh, I am the poster child of Bitachon. But at the same time, I get nervous. I get anxious. I worry. What's going to be? What's going to happen? We're going to be late. It won't work out. Someone will get sick. It won't be. Why can't they go together? So the Navi Yishai is saying they don't go together. Evtach, if I put my trust in you, then v'lo evchad. They don't go together. They're oil and water. If evtach, then v'lo evchad. If evchad, then lo evtach, then I'm not really trusting. Why not? Ki hino senes la'adam mish'enes itana. Ulam bilada ein sof l'sugei ha'pachadim she'tokfim es ha'adam. See, with emunah and bitachon, you have absolutely nothing to fear. Not fear of heights, and not fear of public speaking, and not fear of going out in public, and not fear of financially what will be, not fear of retirement, <laughs> and not fear of health, and not fear of doctors, and not fear of with emunah bitachon, we're going to unpack this in a moment, you have absolutely nothing to fear. And without emunah bitachon, you have everything to be afraid of. If there's no God, there's no higher being, there's no creator, there's no one intimately involved in our lives, there's no meaning, there's no purpose, there's no order, everything is random, everything is chance, that I don't like my chances. I don't like my chances. If you look at the statistics of how many people will get cancer, which soon is going to be not the minority, the majority, it's not an if, it's a when. Chas v'shalom al-tiftach peh. If you look at what the hurricane, we've now entered hurricane season here in South Florida. Did it start yet? I think we started. Yeah, June 1st. June 1st, okay. We're starting hurricane season again. Al-tiftach peh satan But all you have to do is watch the Weather Channel, the tornadoes in New Jersey yesterday. Yeah. And then you turn to the news stations and the whole world is imploding because there's no stable country in the world anymore. Prime Minister of England has to resign because of Brexit. Israel has elections every month in Dornishtuk. Everyone wants to, in America, they want to impeach the president. So the most stable countries on the planet have no leadership and no stability. And I'll tell you, who could get out of bed? If you don't have Amuna, how do you get out of bed? How do you get out of bed? This tower is going to topple over. This plane is going to crash. This tornado is going to strike. This government's going to implode. This, like, how do you get out of bed? This diagnosis is going to land. This stock market is going to collapse. This business is going to implode. This relationship is going to fail. How do you get out of bed? If you have no amuna, you have nothing but fear. You have nothing but anxiety. You have nothing but doubt. You have nothing but worry. You have nothing but concern. And with amuna, you jump out of bed and you say, Hashem, I don't know what this day is going to bring. I have no idea. But I know whatever it brings for, is going to bring it for a reason. Whatever it brings is not going to be chance or happenstance. Whatever it brings is not going to be because I'm subject to randomness. Whatever it brings is for a, ra- a reason. Now, I know that that's much easier to say than to do when it brings tragedy, when it brings unimaginable, incomprehensible suffering. I, I understand. I understand. It's easier to say than to do to say, Shem, you're with me. There's reason. There's purpose. I will say that the people I turn to to gain amuna in those areas are when the people themselves who are suffering are the loudest, most vocal proponents of having amuna bitachon. You ride their coattails. You draw strength from them. The famous story, I think it's the Blush of a Rebbe, jumped over the pit. And the person said, you know the story? How I got over, how'd you get over? I grabbed your coat. I grabbed your coat. I grabbed onto you. So we grab onto them. 
whatever anyone's, anyone's going through, and I say this not to make anyone feel guilty, but you're not going through more than Martin Judovitz went through. The survivors who are alive, the survivors we knew who are no longer with us. They found a way to live with Emunah Bitachon. They found a way to put one foot in front of another. They found a way not only to survive, but to thrive. They weren't debilitated. They weren't paralyzed. They didn't give up. They didn't walk away. So ride their coattails. Ride their coattails. I don't remember if I said it in this context, but I met a couple months ago with somebody in recovery, and they taught me that in the recovery community, so one of the steps of the 12-step program is to submit to a higher power. So, and they allow you to define who's your higher power whatever higher power means. Maybe you don't believe in God, so higher power is some other manifestation of some other power. So in the program, when someone's first starting out and they can't get past that step because they say, I don't believe. Mm-hmm. So one of, the, one of the strategies of the program is that you say, grab onto his higher power or her higher power. Oh. Your sponsor or someone else you know who has that higher power you say, I just can't get past it. I don't know, and I don't believe, and I don't see it, and it's trouble, and I have theological, philosophical challenges and questions, and I don't know. So they say, I'll tell you what, just to get past this step for now, believe in his higher power. Believe in her higher power. It doesn't have to be your higher power. That's the Blizz of a Rebbe. That's Martin Judovitz. That's people who are the primary people going through a terrible thing who still say Hashem is awesome. Hashem is great. Everything is for a reason. This is whatever is meant to be. We'll find a way through it as painful as it is, as unbearably painful as it is, by definition, it's what's meant to be, we'll get through it. So, coming again, evtach, then lo evchad. If I believe in Hashem, what do I have to worry about public speaking? So if the speech stinks, Hashem meant for it to stink. What do I have to worry about agoraphobia, going public places? Hashem means for me to go to public place. What do I have to worry about heights? I'm, I'm standing on top of the skyscraper, or I'm flying through the plane. What do I have to? I have no worries and no anxieties and no fears because whatever is going to happen, good or bad, is by design, is for a purpose, is for a reason. Nothing to fear. Evtach then velo evchad. But if evchad, if I'm if I'm consumed by fears, then velo evtach. Then it's it, it's a evidence that I don't really trust Hashem. I don't really trust Him. I don't really trust Him. You ever have this with someone you know or love or is close to you in your family or a friend? They ask you to do something, you say you've got it, and then they stay on top of you a million times asking, and you say, do you trust me or not? Like, I got it. I've told you I've got it. If you believe me, I've got it. Stop asking me about how the tables will get to the... Stop asking me about how whatever. I got it. I told you I got it. We're good. And the fact that you keep bringing it up only makes me feel that you don't trust me. So Hashem says the same thing. If you're so worried about things... And what, you're not trusting me. Because if you trust me, you'd let go and let God. I've got it. I've told you I've got it. I've got your back. I've got it. It will happen the way it's meant to be. I got it. So, evtach means lo evchad. If evchad, if I'm afraid, then I'm lo evtach. Without it, all you have is fear. parnasa. You could be afraid that your finances will collapse. A person who's a believer has a serenity, has a peace, has a inner quiet. Now, does it mean that if you're a believer, you don't have any problems? If you have a moon and bitachon, you won't have infertility, you won't have loneliness, you won't have tragedy, you won't have loss, you won't have illness, you won't have... Of course it doesn't mean that. Of course it doesn't mean that. If you're alive, you're, you're in a tsar. Just to be alive means that you're... Have challenges. To be alive is to have challenges today. Ain't bias, ain't sham challenges. There is no home. 
that there's not a child in a therapy or on a medicine or who gives you cause to worry. There is no home in which a relationship is perfect and there are no moments. There is no home or no life in which there's no ache or pain, minor or God forbid major. There is no home who no matter how secure financially, it brings other problems being so secure financially with the family. So to be alive is to have these challenges. But if you want to have serenity and peace within having the challenges, if you want to have resiliency to overcome the challenges, to live with the challenges, then you let go and you let God. Evtach v'lovchad. And that's the reminder. Evtach v'lovchad. Evtach v'lovchad. The way Rabbi Soloveitchik puts it is, you can replace many fears with one. Or you can ignore the one fear and then you're filled with many. Fear of Hashem. It's either Yir Hashemayim in which you have nothing else to fear. You have fear and awe of Hashem. You see Hashem is the pulling the puppet strings, choreographing all of life, in which I have nothing to fear. Or, you deny Hashem's role in your life, and in which case, there's a lot to worry about. We'll get to in Sefer We'll get to in several weeks. But the story of Moshe and the rock. Moshe and the rock. What happens? I think about this. My sister is here from Israel. On Route 443, on her way from Modi to Yerushalayim, there's a place on the highway you can pull over, because there's a rock that puts out water. People stop. There's some spring inside a mountain and there's a crack in that rock and everyone stops with their empty bottle and fills it with this delicious, fresh, refreshing water. Everybody, I've never stopped, but I've never stopped. We drive by those who do stop for that refreshing water. I always think about that because there's a rock and it's putting forth water. It's putting forth water. Which, by the way, some of the Mephoshim bring down is why it wouldn't have been such a miracle to hit the rock and water to come out because maybe you hit a spring. You hit the rock on 443 on the way to Yerushalayim and water came out. The miracle would have been speaking to the rock. If you say, rock, give me water. So today you could say faucet, turn on. It's not impressive. <laughs> Seltzer machine, turn on. Coffee, make uh, Kerig, make me a cup of coffee. So today with voice recognition, even that's not a miracle. Like Nobody would be impressed. You told the rock, make water, it made water. Okay, shka, big deal. Impress me. Eh, impress me. But then you hit a rock and water comes out, you can explain it. You speak to a rock, it shouldn't make water come out. What happens? Moshe, instead of speaking to the rock, hits the rock. And we know, Kodesh Baruch Hu says, you're not going into Israel. And we're not spending time now on it, but that's a pretty harsh, what we'd call a disproportional reaction. The UN would condemn God for disproportional use of force. What do you mean? Moshe spoke, hit the rock instead of speaking to it. He dedicated his life, Eved Hashem. He was Moser Nefesh. He gave up his wife, his children, his everything. And in one moment... He loses it all? So the Torah tells us why. You know why? What went wrong when Moshe hit instead of speaking? Yan lo ha'emantem bi. Lo What does that mean? Shehatviya haisa apagam koshu be'emunaso. Yan lo ha'emantem bi. You didn't believe in me. You failed to have emunah. Ha'emantem. You failed to have emunah in me. Says the Maharal. What does that mean? Emunah b'shlemusa goremes la'adam simcha. A person living with real amuna has a skip in their step, a smile on their face, has an energy and an enthusiasm in life because nothing could go wrong. And even when it goes as wrong as anything can go, if that's what's meant to be, that's what was by design, that is the best thing, however it's the best thing. So real amuna breeds simcha. Hamuna hidvekas babore olam. When you cling to God, when you stick with God, when God's got your back, then what are you worried about? You got to skip in your step. Through clinging, you trust in Hashem. And what's the consequence? What's the result? 
you can't help but be filled, overwhelmed with a sense of simcha, joy. Now, what's the opposite of simcha? If you're happy, you can't get angry. They don't go together. Happy people aren't angry people. You can't in that moment. You could sometimes be happy and sometimes be angry, but in your moment of happiness, you're not going to get angry. So you get incredible news, and you're flying high, and you're on top of the world. You're experiencing a personal simcha. So you say, you know what? That doesn't even bother me. So-and-so spoke Lashon about me. I'm not getting angry about it. My kids are misbehaving. Any other time, I'd go nuts at them. But right now, if you're filled with simcha in a moment of joy, there's no room for anger, because those are opposite emotions. Joy, simcha, comes from feeling everything is aligned, everything is calibrated, everything is for a reason, everything has a design. Anger is, this didn't go according to my plan. This isn't how I want this to be happening. People aren't falling in where I wanted them to fall in. So, Moshe, out of anger, said, Listen up, you rebellious, no good, reject, low life, incorrigible, miserable people. Listen up. You want me to get water out of this rock for you? Some of the commentators say, where did he go wrong? He said, Notzi, should we bring water out? We? God looks at Moshe and says, we? Who's we, Kimosavi? We? We're bringing water out of the rock? Some say that was Moshe's problem. Moshe, who was the most humble of all men, all of a sudden, we? Notzi, we? We're bringing the water out? And what happened? He He hits the rock. So here he is facing this incorrigible, miserable, difficult, ungrateful people. And if he was besimcha, he'd say, so what? I'm meant to be with these people. I'm meant to be having them right now. So what? So what? But he didn't. For a moment, he let his guard down. And for a moment, he gave in to anger. And for a moment, he lost his cool. And for a moment, he yelled at them. And Hashem says, That moment of anger was a moment which was a lapse of emuna, And for Moshe Rabbeinu, a momentary lapse of emuna, it was entirely proportional what happened to him. For us, a momentary lapse of emuna is every morning and every evening, every muntik and every darnishtik. But for Moshe, a lapse of emuna of a moment for Moshe was everything. So how do you know he had a momentary lapse of emuna? says the Maral, because he got angry. And if you could get angry, it means you don't have emuna. Because if you have emuna, Right now, it's meant to be that your kids left a mess in the middle of the floor. They're not listening to you. They're not getting dressed. Does that mean that you don't try to discipline them? Does that mean that you don't try to teach them and educate them and cultivate them? No, you do all those things. But you don't get angry. You don't get angry because anger is a pure emotion. When you lose your cool, when you get filled with anger, when you yell, when you rage, it's self-sabotage and you ruin your relationship. You ruin your physical, mental health, your physical health. You ruin everything. You ruin everything. And most of all, you ruin in relation with Hashem. Hashem says, you're angry? Relax. I, this is by design. This is what's meant to be. I was talking to a friend recently from the community who um, this past Sunday was very proud of himself. He made a whole plan and he got his kids all dressed in their swimwear and he lathered them up in suntan, whatever it's called, lotion, sunscreen. sunscreen, thank you. And he put them in the car and the Hollywood boardwalk and there was a plan. He do, I don't know what the activity was. It was going to be a whole thing. It was going to be perfect. Huh? Whole plan. Got him already, got up early, got out on time, whole plan. He gets there. He forgot it was Memorial Day weekend. Couldn't find parking, couldn't get to the activity, couldn't whatever. And after circling and not parking and can't get to the activity and you can't stop and you can't, he turned around to drive home to give up. 
And he was filled with incredible frustration. A lot of frustration. Kids are frustrated. You're frustrated. You're taking the frustration out yeah. by yelling at the kid, by yelling at your spouse. What, how could you forget it was Memorial Day weekend? What's the matter with you? You know, a whole... So we were talking, and we decided to work on together. And I'm now, anything I'm working on, I promote so that it holds me accountable to do it because now I've told everybody I do it. <laughs> so the three minutes, for example, that we did a few Shabbos okay. ago. So we said, what if we were to try the following strategy? Whenever we're frustrated, to turn it into a tefillah, a prayer. Mm. Take that moment of frustration and compose a prayer. Wow. Not just say, God, I accept this, whatever the frustration is, but to turn it into a prayer. So for example, for example, maybe you weren't meant to park and go do the activity. Maybe if you parked into the activity, God forbid a child was gonna drown, or you were going to hit another boat, or there was gonna be some major crisis or emergency. Whatever reason it was meant that you weren't supposed to do the activity. So what if you turn that turning around and frustrating drive home from miserable and I can't believe it and we got changed for nothing, we put on suntan lotion for nothing, and we came and we drove and we wasted time, eh, into thank you Hashem for not letting that work out because for whatever reason it wasn't meant to be and I'm so grateful. And Hashem may I therefore blah, 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 blah. To extract whatever lesson could be learned, to turn it into a prayer for gratitude, to turn it into a hope that may we have more success with whatever activity we do next, whatever. May this be the greatest frustration of my day, of my life, to turn moments of frustration into moments of authoring a tefillah, of hispodidus, of talking to Hashem, of talking it out with Him. Why did you not want that to work out? Why, why was that not meant to be? What am I meant to learn from it? What am I meant to learn for next time? What am I meant to learn from now? Why might it not have worked out? And whatever reason, thank you. In other words, let's say you had a, let's say you had a time machine and you could fast forward what would have happened if you would have been able to do that activity. And you would have seen something, whether major or minor, would have gone wrong. And then you found out that somebody who knew that was going to happen stopped you from doing the activity. Would you not be overwhelmed with gratitude to that person for stopping you? You'd be overwhelmed. So we don't have the luxury of ever getting to find out why we weren't meant to do the activity. We will one day. After 120, we'll find out. But in the present, in real time, we don't get to find out why that frustration was there of why we couldn't do that activity. We don't get to find out. But we weren't meant to. Sometimes you do. But for the most part, you can't. So we don't get to find out, so we become frustrated. But if we freeze the frame and analyze our frustration and think with an emuna, evtach v'lovchad. Av bitachon, dvekos, I'm clinging to you. So if someone says, I got it, they ask you to do something and you say, you got it. And now you're doing it in a different way they thought was best. And they start to much you and doubt you and challenge you and be frustrated by you. But you say, I told you I got it. Trust me, I'm doing it the best way. Trust me, this is what's the best way for it to work out. Trust me. Hashem says, trust me. I know it's hard. You can't see me or smell me or hear me or feel me or touch me. I know it's hard, but trust me. Trust me. The word dvekus, we've said many times, the Meshachachma says, devek means glue. Dvekus is, Hashem says, stick to me. Stick with me. Stick with me. The new kid in school, so the friend who's been going to that school says, just stick with me. Sit next to me in the cafeteria, come to the class with me in the gym. Just stick with me, you'll be fine. Start new work, person you know at work. Just stick with me, new person in the community. Just stick with me, you'll be fine. Dveka's Devak. Hashem says, just stick with me, you'll be fine. Devak, attach yourself to me, stick with me. I got your back, you'll be fine. Evtach, put your trust in me. So when you drive, there are no frustrations anymore. So the flight was delayed, so it got canceled, so there was traffic. I know I'm not talking about terminal illness. I know I'm not talking about it. If you think that I'm going to sit here and be able to explain it to you in a satisfactory way, 
then, then you're unrealistic. Nobody in all of history has been able to, and no one will be able to, because we're finite beings. There are things we can't understand, and only when we submit to that can we then continue the conversation. If we demand to have answers, if we expect to understand, then we think we're God. We're competing with God. The whole religion is submission. Faith is submission. Faith begins with the premise. He's infinite, I'm finite. He's omnipotent, I'm limited. He's all-knowing and all-capable, and I'm not. Now we can start the conversation. But if I expect Magili, if I feel entitled, I want an explanation. I want the memo. Write up exactly what happened here. I demand to know why bad things are happening to good people, why painful things are happening to good people. And I don't say this lightly with people here who've experienced horrific tragedy, horrific tragedy. The fact that you get out of bed in the morning, let alone come to an Amunashir, let alone Davin, you're, you're not my hero, you're beyond a hero to me, people in this room and others. So I'm not, I'm not minimizing, and I don't mean to speak flippantly about that. I'm simply saying there is a level of submission, which is what religion is. Rabbi Salavechik in his halachic man has a famous footnote where he talks about that. It's not really so compatible with our idea of religion today. We want religion to be feel good, kumbaya, kumzitz, spiritual. To us, the religion is supposed to be all that, right? I get goosebumps and I meditate and I transcend and I, I uh, mindfulness and spirituality and there isn't, yeah, geschmack to be a yid, true. I think the pendulum has swung very far. Ramosha Feinstein famously said, that we should stop telling our kids, Shvetz is Ayin Yid. It's difficult to be a Jew. Because your kids will say, you know what? You're right. I'm done. I'm out. Who needs difficulty? Everything has to be convenient. I turn in my car every three years and I use disposable plates and silverware and I upgrade my software or get a new phone every three minutes. So who needs anything which doesn't come comfortably or conveniently? So it's Shvetz is Ayin Yid. I'm out. So Moshe said, you got to teach your children Geschmack to be a Yid. And we made up a whole song. <clears throat> geschmack to be a Yid. We sing Geschmack to be a Yid. It is. Shabbos is Geschmack. And Yontif is Geschmack. And everything. Davening is Geschmack. And Kashrus is Geschmack. And it's Geschmack to be a Yid. Israel, we're so proud and it's so amazing and we so love it. And I argue that the pendulum has gone too far in the other way. So now a child's like, but that's not so Geschmack. So I'm done. Cleaning up's not Geschmack. Grading murder is not Geschmack. Cleaning my room is not Geschmack. Getting up for davening is not geschmack. Having to be limited with my kashas options is not geschmack. So I'm done. I'm out. Right? They used to be out because shirts designed to be a yid. Now they're out because we promised them it's geschmack to be a yid. So the answer is we should stop making promises. It's a combination of both. Sometimes the more shirts designed he is, the more geschmack it is. The harder it is, the more effort it takes, the more sacrifice you have to make, the more rewarding it feels. Sometimes it's actually the combination of, of the two. But the point is religion genuine, authentic, true relationship with Hashem is not about Hashem. When everything feels good, I love you. Spiritual, it feels good, it makes sense. Uh, we had an amazing Shalom Zachar this past Friday night. I think one of the nicest, if not the nicest I was ever at. The house was filled, the singing, the walls were shaking. Twice during the singing, spontaneously, everyone jumped up and locked arms and were dancing. It was unbelievable. It was geschmack to be a Yid. So are those, is that, that's, that's religion? That's religious life? That's the expectation? That's when I feel close to Hashem only? Hashem says, that's not a relationship, just when we go, tell my wife, you know when I love you? When we go away on vacation to celebrate our anniversary. When we're at the resort, when we're out for dinner, when we're exchanging cards and gifts, oh, no, relationships take submission. 
Sometimes it's when I don't understand you, when I can't, your demands make no sense, what you're asking of me is whatever, you're muttering me and driving me crazy over what I told you I was gonna take care of a million times. When we wanna do it so differently than I wanna do it, we see things so differently that I submit because I love you and I'm invested in this relationship, and so therefore I submit myself to you. And we have to navigate, negotiate. Sometimes you submit to me, I submit to you. So relationship with Hashem is like every other relationship in life. If the whole relationship is predicated on every moment being the highs, Relationship's not gonna last. Relationship's filled with highs and lows, and it's where we are in the moments of what feel like lows that define the totality of the relationship. So submission. We will not understand why painful things happen to good people. This is very heavily on our minds, obviously, right now, as a community, and, uh, and it will continue to be. It will always be, because tragedies will happen. A three-year-old grandchild of one of our members has a tumor in their eyes having major surgery today. Why would a three-year-old have a tumor? and maybe lose sight in their eye. Why? Why? So I could get stuck on why. Why, where, how, God, why? I could get stuck on that. And then I don't get out of bed because then all the fears come. All the anxieties come, all the worries come, all the anger comes, all the challenges come. So life stops or I could be like Martin Judovitz and not ask lama why, but lama, good, now what? I'm gonna dive in for that kid. I'm gonna take on an extra myth for that kid. I'm gonna hug my kids a little tighter. I'm gonna value the gift of my sense of sight even more than I did. I'm going to, not lama, but lama, good. Terrible, horrible, can't understand it. I am submitting to you, God, that somehow when these dots, if, I, if a person could stand back and see how they all connect, somehow there's a picture. I trust you, Hashem. I submit to you, Hashem. I'm clinging to you, Hashem. And I'm confident in you, Hashem, that somehow this, this all makes sense. So I will not get hung up on the why, but I'm going to ask the what. What am I meant to do now? How can I be better now? What can I learn from it now? Not lama, but lama. So a sense of entitlement, wanting to understand, we will never understand why bad things happen to good people. There's not an in the universe. And any rabbi who will tell you why the bad things happen is not a rabbi they're a heretic. To me, they're a heretic. If someone tells you the Holocaust happened because of this, or this uh, children, that people with autism, this, and miscarriage, this, or suicide, that, or breast cancer, this, there are rabbis like this. They put out a lot of videos about me on the internet. But they're not, they're not only that they're not rabbis, and not only are they not accurate representations of our tradition, they're kofram and apikorsim. And why do I say that? Because now they think they're God. Because only God understands the why. Hashem, only from an infinite position can you answer the why. The taller you are, the farther you can see. If you're short, everything blocks you. If you're a little taller, you can see. If you're tall, you know, if you're standing in Manhattan, you can't see around the building, but if you're taller than the skyscraper, if you have a, a drone or a satellite, now you can see further. Hashem is the tallest, He sees the farthest, He sees everything. And if you are now going to claim to see equally far to Hashem and represent Him, you're a heretic. You're competing with Hashem, there's only one. Hashem Echad, there's one, not you. And he didn't whisper in your ear for you to put out videos to tell all of us why he's doing what he's doing. So it's heresy. It's absolute heresy. It's kfira. I don't care how many people are moved by it or jolted by it or inspired by it or change their life because of it. It doesn't make it any more authentic or true or accurate or genuine. It's pure heresy. So we have to submit and we have to stop feeling entitled and we will never understand. That's, what, that's the core, that's the prerequisite to religion. Religion is predicated on that. Our capacity to submit our capacity to give up feeling entitled and to recognize that bad things don't happen to good people, painful things happen to good people. And there's a world of difference. Good or bad, that's not for us to judge. We don't have the scope. Painful things do. If you were to walk in a room and you see a person with a knife stabbing someone, you'd say that's a bad thing happening. I know the person at the table 
good person. What if the person with the knife was a surgeon and the individual on the table had an illness, had a tumor that needed to be cut out? Then you'd say, wow, that's a painful thing happening to a good person, but it's not bad, it's good. So we don't know. We live in the room where we see someone with a knife and we can't tell bad, good, is it a surgeon, is it a terrorist? We don't know. We don't have the scope, we don't have the perspective to be able to know. So it's not bad things that happen to good people, it's painful things that happen to good people. But back to Revolba and his message, and I know that you still have something to say. Yeah, go ahead. My question yes. is, I, I was at a class of yours last year, and you were speaking about Moshe um, and why he didn't go into Israel. Oh. And you spoke about the fact that it wasn't necessarily the rock, or maybe I didn't understand it properly, but it was rather that he exhibited a lack of leadership. Was it a good I class? Understand it? Was it a good class? No, it was always a great class. Thank you. So, now the message then, I, there are a lot of, we had explored a lot of different reasons offered for why Moshe didn't go in. And I had suggested that it was an issue of when Hashem says you didn't speak to the rock, you hit it. He didn't care about the rock. Moshe, who Hashem first recruited to be a leader, and Moshe demurred saying, I don't speak well. I can't speak. I can't articulate, I'm not eloquent, I can't speak on behalf of the Jewish people. It's not a coincidence, Hashem said, Let's see, 40 years later, have you learned the power of speech? And why is it that he needed the power of speech? Because speech is the bridge between the physical world and the spiritual world. It's where we take the spiritual ideas and feelings and we bring them into the physical world. Moshe, the Maharal says, was so spiritual that he didn't, couldn't operate in the physical world. He was like... Like Rabbi Salavich, didn't have a driver's license. He couldn't be trusted behind the wheel. His mind is so wherever. Certain people are in so lofty in such a place that they... So Hashem says, Eretz Yisrael, you know, the Midbar was a spiritual existence. You didn't have to farm. You didn't have to set up a police force, an army, a judicial system. Well, it was the kolo, 40-year kolo. Hashem says, food's taken care of, your apartment's taken care of, your security's taken care of, everything's taken care of. So now we're going into Eretz Yisrael, and now... Eretz Yisrael is a land that their mitzvahs to use Ba'aretz. It's the bridge between heaven and earth. So Moshe, you want to be the leader in the place that's a bridge between heaven and earth? Have you learned the power of speech, which is the bridge between heaven and earth? And when Moshe hits the rock instead of speaking to it, he's basically told Moshe, no, he told Hashem, no, I'm still so lofty. So it's not a punishment that Moshe can't go into Israel. It's a reality. He's the correct leader for a desert generation. He's not the correct leader for a Eretz Yisrael generation. That was the... Why did it take me an hour to say the class last time? That's a good question. I don't know. I said it now in two minutes. Okay. Anyway, so back to this. So Hashem says to Moshe, you had a lapse in Amuna. I, where, where did God... Where Moshe got up and declared there's no God? Moshe got up and taught the Big Bang or evolution or whatever you think is contrary to God? Why does God say there's a lapse of Amuna? The answer is Moshe got angry. The person with Amuna is happy. And without Amuna, if you get angry, it shows a lack of Amuna. If you have Amuna, you have a skip in your step. I know people, I know people that have no money, that have big problems. They have such Amuna. You, if you came, you thought they won the lottery. I know people with money and good health, yeah. you'd thought that they just got a terminal diagnosis. Right? In other words, a person's disposition and mindset and feeling often has nothing to do with actually their condition. There are people with oodles of money. There are people with oodles of good health with oodles of nachas from their children, but they're number 82 on the Forbes 400, they're not number one. So they walk around fabissing and miserable and angry and whatever. You can have everything and you have nothing, and you can have nothing, you can have everything. And what's the difference? Emuna. It's Emuna. 
attitude of gratitude, but gratitude to whom? Emuna. So if you walk around with a sense of emuna, I'm so grateful for what I have. And I'm so appreciative that there's a rhyme and reason to everything. That even whatever I'm going through, I'm meant to be going through. I'm leaning into that pain. I'm meant to be going through this. I'm translating my frustration into a tefillah, into a prayer. So then, with emuna, the simcha, this happiness, the serenity, this peace. It doesn't mean there's comfort or there's convenience. Emuna doesn't create comfort and convenience. It creates serenity and peace. Serenity and peace. And with no emuna, you could have comfort and convenience. You have no peace in your life. That's a reality. So therefore, evtach velo evchad. If I work on putting my trust in you and feeling I'm clinging to you, I have nothing to be afraid of. And if Efchad, if I'm constantly debilitated by fear, anxiety, worry, what will be? So it's lo Eftach. I, I clearly don't trust you, Hashem. I'm sending Hashem a message. I don't trust Him. If I'm worried all the time, what I'm telling Him is I don't trust Him. And I'll tell you, it's miserable to feel you're not trusted. If someone asks you to do something or you ask them to trust you and they don't, it's a bad feeling. So it doesn't feel good for Hashem when we don't trust Him. And when we walk around afraid and nervous and anxious and worried, we're telling him we don't trust him. And when we let go and let God, it means that even though sometimes you're going through something painful, if you do it with trust in him, we're able to live with a certain level of serenity and peace. Okay, a lot more to say about this, and we will continue with Mir Tashem with this piece next week.